Welcome to an inspirational teaching by Pastor Victor DeMonte, the Senior Pastor of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. Today my topic is living in the power of God's blessing. Last Sunday we looked at how we release the power of God's blessing. This Sunday we live in the power of God's blessing. You know, when we read the Bible, we find that God's heart is to bless. That's his heart, bless. All the promises of God reveal the heart of God and God's intention to bless people. But there's a prerequisite to those blessings. And what we will look at this morning is the prerequisite as well as the blessing. Now, to understand this word prerequisite, I got this dictionary meaning, is something that must exist or happen before something else can exist or happen. That's the meaning of the word prerequisite. It is also a prior condition to a promise. And when we look at Abraham's life in Genesis chapter 12 verse 1, we look at the combination of the prerequisite, the blessing spoken, and the blessing received. So come with me to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 onwards. And the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then verse 4. So Abraham went as the Lord told him. Three things that describe Abraham's life. God's promises, Abraham's faith and obedience, and God's blessings. What are the three things? God's promise, Abraham's faith and obedience, and the third is God's blessing. Verse 1 is the prerequisite. Verse 2 and 3 is the blessing pronounced. Verse 4 is Abraham's response with faith and obedience. In Genesis chapter 22 verse 1, God tests Abraham's obedience. And God tells, tells Abraham, take your son Isaac whom you love, take him to a mountain there and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. And Abraham obeys. Isaac was in his teens. He's not a small baby. He's in his teens. He's aware of what's happening. And he responds to Abraham as father. Abraham ties him up, puts him on the altar which he built, and he takes the knife about to sacrifice his son. When we see in verse 15, the angel of the Lord calls to Abraham a second time and said, I swear by myself, God is saying, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, can you see that? Because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Abraham's obedience was tested before Abraham could experience the blessing. Before God can trust us with his blessings, he tests us in our obedience. 
Okay, I'm going to repeat that. Before God can trust us with His blessing, He tests us in our obedience. How does this apply for us in the New Testament? The first thing we see that we are the descendants of Abraham. Galatians chapter 3 verse 29, the Bible says, If you're Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs or descendants according to the promise. We are not descendants of Abraham through blood. We are descendants or we are heirs through his promise. The second thing, we see that the promise which was given to Abraham is now guaranteed to all those who have the faith of Abraham. We see that in Romans 4.16. Therefore, the promise comes by, what's the word? The promise comes by faith, belief. That's how we inherit the promise. So that by grace, it may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the Lord, not only those who are of Jews, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. God made Abraham an example for every generation to live by. If we want the blessing of Abraham, we need to embrace the lifestyle of Abraham. And so God's saying to us that we are all guaranteed Abraham's blessing, but the way we receive that blessing is through faith. When we talk about faith, Faith always leads us to obedience. Unbelief leads us to disobedience. And that's why the word faith and obedience always go together. Obedience is the evidence of the faith that you have in your heart. We see in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8, by faith Abraham, what's the word? Can we say that again? By faith Abraham, obeyed. Both go together, faith and obedience. When he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Now that's faith. He didn't even know the destination. He heard God. God tell him to go. He left his family, left everything, and he started to take that journey. There are two things that will cause us to live in the power of God's blessing. And those two things of faith and obedience. What are the two things? Faith and obedience. The only two things that will cause us to live in the blessing of God. If you take faith away from obedience, you get religion. And the church can be full of religion because we have a lot of obedience with no faith. You can pray and have no faith. You can bless or you can give your tithes and your offerings with no faith. We can come to church with no faith. But all those acts of obedience can be ritualistic, which is the essence of religion. Obedience minus faith only leads to dead works. Faith and obedience is what leads to blessing. Why is faith so important? It is important because sin is the absence of faith. Are you okay with that one? Sin is the absence of faith. That's why faith is important. The Bible says anything which is not of faith is sin. Whenever you sin, there is no faith in it. Sin is the absence of faith. It's the absence of believing God or trusting God. 
when we look at what faith is, faith is about believing what God said even before it happens. And that's where we struggle. We struggle to believe God, thank Him even before it happens. But the evidence of faith says we thank Him, we believe Him even before it materializes. See, anybody can thank God after a blessing. You don't need to be a Christian because the, the blessing is in front of you. Your healing is in front of you. Your miracle is in front of you. The evidence of it, it is materialized. There's no faith in it. You just, it's obvious. But faith is praising God, thanking God, and believing before it happens. Hebrews chapter 11, 1 says, Now faith, faith is always in the now. Faith is not tomorrow I will believe. Faith is today I'll believe what God will do for tomorrow. Faith is in the now. Faith is the assurance or the confirmation of the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of the reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. That's what the Amplified Version says. So faith is the assurance. Where is that assurance? In your spirit. Where is that assurance? In your spirit. There is a gut feeling. There is a confidence. The Bible calls it the title deed. The Bible calls it confidence of faith in your spirit that God will do what he said he would do even before it can come to pass. That's the confidence that we call to live by. The evidence of faith is in the assurance that you have now of what God is going to do tomorrow or even in the future. And we must cultivate that sense of assurance. You can, you cultivate it by listening to God, worshiping God, hearing what God has to say. It brings an, a sense of faith and confidence in your spirit. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And I'm sure that there have been times in our lives we had that gut feeling. We had that assurance on the inside. You just a step of faith and God honored it. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we do not, for we walk by faith, not by sight. God has called us to live every day of our lives by faith. I said this some time ago. Jesus taught us to pray, Lord, give us our daily bread, but we want our monthly rations. We're not satisfied with daily bread. That's too much to live. Lord, give us our monthly rations. But God taught us to live by faith that every day we are living in the confidence and the assurance God is our provider. He will lead us. He will cause us to lie down beside still waters. He will provide for us. He will watch over us. Live in that confidence. We live by faith and not by sight. Sight is talking about the five physical senses that we have. What you see, what you hear, what you feel, what you smell. You see, the world lives by their senses. We have grown up living by what we see with our physical eyes, what we feel in our emotions. We go up discerning what to do and what not to do in life, not by our spirit, not by faith, but by our feelings. It's amazing how much of our feelings dominate our lives. 
Faith is not feeling, and feeling is not faith. Faith is believing despite your feelings. You know, people, did you pray this morning? No, I didn't feel like it. So you wake up in the morning, and your whole day determines on how you feel. And if you felt miserable in your getting up, you make everyone's life miserable that day. And then suddenly everyone in the home says, oh, dad's got a bad day today. Something happened. You know, it's evident that when we are full of joy, everyone sees it. But if we're going to live by our feelings, one day we will be up, the other day we will be down, because we are ruled and governed by our emotions. God doesn't want us to be governed by our feelings. He wants us to be governed by our faith. And that's why we will talk about the three levels of Christian. A carnal Christian will live by their mind. A baby Christian will live by their emotions. But a spiritual Christian will live by their spirit, walking in faith. It's what you believe in your heart determines who you are, what you do, and the way you speak. What you believe. And every day of our lives, we manifest our belief in our spirit by the way we conduct our life and the things that we do. Either our belief is rooted in our faith, in our spirit, or our belief is rooted in our emotions. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, the Bible says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hung on a cross. Now, this is a declaration of what God has already done for us. Christ has pastored, redeemed us, brought us back from under the curse of the law. The law, the disobedience to the law, has put us all under a curse. But Christ took our place, identified with our rebellion, took upon himself the curse that was supposed to come upon our lives, so that, we see next verse, the blessings of Abraham will become ours. How? Through faith. The blessing of Abraham, the promise of the Holy Spirit, comes to us as Gentiles by faith. So we are all recipients of the promises of God and the blessing of God. The way we appropriate or the way we live in the blessing is that simple word, faith. Now most of us are looking for the blessings before we can thank God and start believing. And as a young person, a young person accepted the Lord, I was also in that trap of looking for the blessing before I believed I was blessed. And there was that phase in my life, my life was not going anywhere, there was emptiness, there was dryness, I had a call of God in my life, I went to the Bible college, but everything seemed so empty. There was no progress, there was no sense of blessing, I was grumbling, I was complaining, I was trying everything, but there was no fruit. No joy, no peace. And that's the time, some of you know my story, went on a 21-day fast. And in that fast, God spoke to me from this verse, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. But this is what I want to communicate to you this morning. That the end result of God speaking, Galatians 3, 13, was a revelation that God put in my spirit 
that you start blessing God and start thanking Him that you are blessed with the blessing of Abraham even before you see it. That's the blessing. If we're going to live in the blessing of Abraham, we've got to believe like Abraham. That's what the Bible says. The blessing is guaranteed to all those who have the faith of Abraham. It's guaranteed. Now, you know, when you have an assurance, you have a revelation, it becomes easier. And I began to thank God. And I said, God, when I go out, I will be blessed. I come in, I will be blessed. Everything I put my hands to, I'll be blessed. Did I see anything happen? Nothing I saw happening. But I began to worship God. Why? Because this was a revelation in my heart. Christ has redeemed me, therefore I'm blessed. Now, for those of you who don't know the whole story, I have to tell you a little bit. Just a little bit. I was in this Bible college that was... There was only one dormitory. That's all the accommodation. One dormitory. Thank God there was only men. And we men were in this room with no cot, no mattress, no cupboards, no shelves, nothing. Empty room with only strings tied onto the walls like scallops. Christmas decorations. Scallops. And that was our clothesline. Innerwear, outerwear, everything was full. With such openness we lived. There was nothing to hide. There was no place to hide. There was no fig trees around to hide. Everything was in the open. They would display it. We had no choice. You put your books on the ground. You lay on the ground. That was those days where you're really down to earth. <laughs> Literally down to earth. And when people slept at night, I'll stop there. Our toilet, one toilet for the whole college, half door. Someone broke it, don't know whether they got angry or what happened. And so you bathe, you duck, look around, anyone coming. One bucket of water. So you all can understand why I grumbled. I grumbled, I complained, I ate food thinking of my dog at home. My dog got better food than what I got. And for the first time, I saw the blessings of a home when I had something worse than that. And then God speaks to me and tells me, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, I have redeemed you from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for you so that the blessing of Abraham might come to us as Gentiles. And I began to thank God for it. I went back to the same college, went back to the same circumstances. One thing had changed. My heart had changed. I was a man that believed I'm blessed. We all know what it is to live with a conscience which is sinful. We have a sinful conscience. Now, let me put it this way. We can always live with a guilty conscience. I did this, I did this, I did this, I didn't do that, I failed, I shot, I have shot. We can live with a guilty conscience, but God wants to turn that around, and we can start living with a blessed conscience. A conscience that tells you, I am blessed. My words are blessed. My thoughts are blessed. My hands, the fruit of my hands are blessed. My relationships are blessed. How do I know I'm blessed? Because Jesus paid the price on the cross and God declared the blessing over my life. Hallelujah. Before you can see anything happen, 
May God give you the consciousness in your spirit. You're a blessed man and a blessed woman because that's what Jesus died for. He declared the blessings of Abraham over your life. You want to know the second part to that? I did that for probably maximum a month. Just thank God and living in the fine. Yes, I'm not going to be moved by what I see. I'm not going to be moved by what I feel. But I am moved by what I believe. And I believe I have the blessing of Abraham on my life. That was my statement. I get a phone call at the college. And the person on, on the other side from Singapore said, what are you doing? I said, I'm in the Bible college. He says, leave immediately. You got an admission in the, in the college. Absolutely free, all taken care of. Buy your ticket and come here. So I bought my ticket. First time traveling abroad, which has its own challenges. I went to Singapore. First time saw an airport that was so big, I did not know which was entrance, which was exit. Fast forward. I was taken to my college. And they took me to my room. And I looked at the room. It had a cot and it had a mattress that thick. I laid down and had blessed sleep. And you lie down on that bed, nobody can find you. It's so soft, you sink in that bed. Look around, you have a fridge in your room. You go to the dining table, you have buffet counters lined up. Chicken legs that big. Never seen chicken legs that big before. So many varieties and non-veg there. And I'm thinking to myself, is this real? Lord, anytime, one more fast, no problem. If this is the result, bring it on. The lecturers were good. The presence of God in the classroom. It was just amazing. God had turned the tables and that was the turning point which has not stopped because the blessing of Abraham is upon my life and is upon your life too. Only one thing we need to learn. Live by what you believe and not what you see, nor what you feel. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 54 verse 1, sing, who has to sing? Not the ones who are married, they already have their song, whichever one it is. But the one who's barren, the one who has no reason to sing, no hope to sing, God saying, you sing, oh barren woman. Why? Because there's a blessing on coming on your way. You will be so blessed, you will have children that even married people will not be able to cope with. This is what the Bible, this is a statement that I'd like to say. When we see ourselves as debtors, it keeps us humble. But when we see ourselves as sinners, it makes us feel condemned. And that's a nice balance to have. We will always remain debtors before God. We owe a tremendous amount to God. Not only praise, not only worship our life, everything. We stand as debtors. We never earn anything. We don't demand anything. We don't deserve anything. We are debtors before God. But we draw the line. We don't live as sinners. Feeling condemned, we live as debtors feeling grateful, feeling blessed. That's what you feel as a debtor. Now, Henry Wright, in his statement I'm quoting, said, Christ earned our blessing through his obedience, 
But the church today wants to inherit the blessing through their disobedience. Can you say, ouch? Thank you. And isn't that true? We can live in disobedience and say, where's my blessing? It doesn't come through disobedience. There's always a prior condition before a blessing. You saw that in Abraham's life. You and I are the heirs and descendants of Abraham. The promise that God gave to Abraham, the blessing that God gave to Abraham is now given to us. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, 6, verse 12, do not become sluggish, but imitate those through faith and patience inherit the promise of God. Faith and patience, faith and obedience, and you will inherit the promise of God. So in order for us to live in the power of God's blessing, we must fulfill the prerequisite, and the prerequisite is faith and obedience. If you take away faith from obedience, you got religion. You become ritualistic. There's too many people only with obedience, but no faith. Your obedience should have a basis of faith. You need faith to obey, and you need faith to receive the blessing of obedience. You need faith. We look at the outworking of this faith, simple scripture that I've based my life on for many, many years, and still it's, it's a very significant part of my, my belief system. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, probably all of us would know it. We could even quote it by heart. It says, trust in the Lord with good. Trust in the Lord with all your heart speaks of faith, speaks of trust. Do not lean on your own understanding, speaks of dealing with doubt in your mind. Whenever you trust God, whenever you believe, there's always your thoughts and the enemy's thoughts doubting what God says. And we could we could live either in a place of doubt or in the place of faith. It says, trust in the Lord with all, all your heart. Not little, all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge God in all your ways. That's worship. You're worshiping God. If you're single and you want to get married, you worship God as your matchmaker. Hello? So when I was single... I'll make sure I'll be praising God and say, Lord, thank you, you're my healer. And then quietly, Lord, you're my matchmaker. And look around. <laughs> I didn't want anyone to hear me. Otherwise, you'll get someone proposing quietly, Lord, you're my matchmaker. You acknowledge God. Whatever that need, whatever you're trusting God, worship Him. He is the source of that blessing. And that's why the Bible says when we come to God, we must know that God is and then he is a rewarder. Knowing that God is, is worship, is acknowledging, Lord, you're my healer, you're my deliverer, your presence is with me, you're the God that blesses, you're the God who's the matchmaker. We acknowledge him in all your ways. What's the result of it? He may direct your paths. He shall direct your path. Three simple steps. One, trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. He will direct your path. And when God directs your path, listen to Him. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. There are so many of us get instructions from God. God gives us promises, and then you wait for another promise. And then you wait for another promise. And then you wait for another promise. Why? Because you're thinking, 
can I do take that step of faith? What if nothing happens? What will people say? How can I be? Your reasoning kicks in. You tend to be carnal-minded. It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Fear, have reverence. God has spoken to you. Depart from evil. What evil is the Bible talking about? The evil of depending on your own self. The evil of reasoning that brings carnality. Depart from that evil. It's amazing. I, I didn't put my scripture down. Read Jeremiah chapter 17. It says, They that trust the Lord shall be like a tree planted by the water. <clears throat> Roots will go deep. He will flourish at all seasons. Whatever he does will be blessed. He that trusts in himself and makes his flesh his own arm will be cursed. So evil has to do with self-dependence. Faith has to deal with God-dependence. Look at the blessing that follows. It will be healthy your flesh. Healthy. Good way to live life. Strength to your bones. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your possessions or your finances, with the first fruits of all your increase. So your bonds, so your bank balance will be filled with plenty. We like that. And your vamps will overflow with new wine, joy, the presence of God. It'll be overflowing. Simple instructions, prerequisite blessing, prerequisite blessing. Can you see that in the scripture? You trust, you acknowledge, you don't lean, there's a blessing of direction. You follow the direction, health to your bones, strength to, health to your flesh, strength to your bones. You honor God with your finances, God says you will fill your bank account. You know, the one thing that stops us from obedience is the middle letter in that word obedience. Always the I factor that stops us from being obedient. What will happen to me? What will happen? We always allow our eye to interfere with our faith and our obedience towards God. So let's look at some of the promises that God has given us. And we see how the outworking of that prerequisite blessing. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe. People like to distribute everywhere. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's the prerequisite. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. No, we don't like the condition. We like the blessing. And God is saying, you honor me with your finances. See, faith gives. Unbelief holds back. Anything. Unbelief will cause you to doubt. Faith will cause you to believe. Philippians chapter 4 verse 16. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me, this is the Apostle Paul saying, you sent me aid. And more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. He says I was in need. I'm not asking you to give because I'm in need. Or I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more will be credited to your account and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Can you see what the Apostle Paul is saying? He's saying, I'm not desiring a gift from you, financial gift from you, because I need it. I'm receiving this gift so that it will be added to whose account? The blessing will be added to your account 
And when you give in faith, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. In a church, we are blessed. You know, as a church, we are blessed. Yes, yes you believe we are blessed. You know, I grew up all my life. Every church I go to, even probably now, I see the way people take offering. They receive the offering and they will say, Lord, thank you that you will bless this offering. And one day when I read this word, I looked at it and I said, why do we bless the offering? That 100 rupees will still remain the 100 rupees when you go down. If it goes to the bank, it'll still be 100 rupees. A 500 doesn't become 1,000 rupees. If it did, I will lay both my hands and I will speak a lot of blessings on the money. But it doesn't. And I looked at this verse. And the Bible says, when you receive an offering, it is not for your benefit, it's for the people's benefit, so that it will be added to their account. And if you notice carefully, when we receive the offering, whether Charles does it, I do it, we are praying that you will be blessed, not the money to be blessed. Hello? Are you happy with that? That's why you're prospering. That's why you're blessed. And I thought, what a moment. You see how the enemy, when he steals a blessing, because we put faith in the wrong thing, God bless the money. God wants to bless people. When people are blessed, everything that happens in their life will be a result of that blessing. And then he says, when you give in faith, my God will not only add to your account, but he will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. Let's look at another scripture, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this. It's a principle we tend to forget, so the Bible says remember. Okay? Don't forget. Remember this. Whoever, general principle, sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. No grumbling, no unbelief, no reluctance, or any other compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a person with a heart to give. And God is able to bless you little. Oh, you're paying attention. God will bless you abundantly. How will he bless you? To the sparingly will be blessed sparingly. To those who give abundantly will be blessed abundantly. So God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Paul couldn't put any more alls there. <laughs> Try it and see. Try the word. It has to work. So your giving is initiated by faith and your receiving is received by faith. Look at the next one, next promise. Long life, good days. This is the best insurance deal I'm giving to you. Health insurance, not only good health, but a sign up for good life. Can any insurance company promise that? No, they'll have underneath small conditions apply. No conditions. Look at this. For he who would love life and see good days, you like to have your life blessed and see good days? Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. It's all in your mouth. You speak good things. If you want to speak evil, withhold. There's another word for refrain. You know what that word is? Shut up. 
thank God you said it, I didn't. Basically, that's what the Bible says. If you want to speak any evil, what do you do? Shut up. I said it. I was tempted so long to say it. I said it. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. Honor your father and mother, prerequisite. What will happen? This is the first commandment with promise. It may be well with you, and you will live long on the earth. Honor. Honor your father and mother. Have that respect towards your father and mother. And God says, it will go well with you. Not only will it go well with you, you live long. Honor in life. Here's the prerequisite, and this is the blessing. By humility and the fear of God, that's the prerequisite, what will come to you? Riches, honor, life, prosperity and success. Psalm 1, 1 to 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel or the advice of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. That's the prerequisite. Verse 3. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf will, will, also, will not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. What about salvation? John 3.16. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. That's the blessing. The prerequisite. If you believe, you will be saved. You will have eternal life. Baptism with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.38. Prerequisite. Peter tells them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. What's the blessing? You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's blessing. Genesis chapter 2 verse 3. We looked at this last Sunday. We'll look at it briefly. I will bless those who bless you. You become a point of a blessing. When you know you speak a blessing or people speak a blessing, you get blessed. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. In that way, all the families of the earth will be blessed. What a spiritual principle. During the week, I was meditating and speaking blessings on the church and people. And I realized a very powerful principle that God put in, the, in His Word, both in the Old and the New Testament, that when you bless someone, when you speak good of someone, you are positioning yourself for God to bless you. And when you speak negatively against someone, you're putting yourself in a position for God to curse you. So what did I think? The emphasis is not on the curse, the emphasis is on the blessing. Because that's the heart of God, that we will be a blessed people. It says, when you obey God, I will bless you, and they that bless you will be blessed. God will bless them. In that way, everyone in this church will be blessed. And I thought to myself, if you are a part of this church, you speak blessings, nothing more, nothing less. Can someone shout an amen? And may we be known as a people who only speak blessing. When someone hangs around you, someone comes to your home, all that they could hear, words of blessing spoken because you recognize a spiritual principle that says when you bless, God will bless you. 
That way everyone, we begin to live in the blessing. And I'll tell you, church, if we make this our lifestyle, this becomes the foundation. This church will be so blessed financially, spiritually, physically, in a way that will blow your mind. God told the people, when you speak a blessing, I will honor that blessing. And not only bless the person, but bless you. What a spiritual principle. You know, everything that God designed for our good and for our blessing, the enemy slips in, perverts it to bring a curse. So what did the enemy do? He says, if I can set up a few people to curse others in the church, and what happens? They will curse them back, and then this will pass on, and I get the whole church, God's people, living in a curse. Can you see his mind? How he divides, how he perverts it? I think we are smarter than the devil. No, I don't think. I know we are smarter than the devil. And we'll say, we will refrain from speaking anything evil because God has called us as kings and priests to declare and decree the blessing of God on people's lives and we will inherit that blessing. Now, I got something interesting for you. Do you know what blessing you will receive when you bless others? Now, this is revelation. How do you know what blessing you're going to get? You ready? Ready? The blessing is Whatever you bless someone in that area, that blessing you, God will say, you will bless you with it. If you bless someone with mercy, God says, I will bless you with mercy. If you bless someone praying for help, God says, I will give you help. If you bless someone with chocolates, God says, I will give you chocolate. God said, whatever you bless someone with, I will bless you with that same blessing. Somebody get excited and shout an hallelujah. That's the blessing of God. Whatever you decree, God decrees over your life and he says, I will bless you with that blessing. If you want to prosper financially, bless someone financially and God says, I will bless you financially. That's what the Bible says in the book of Job. When Job prayed for his friends, God turned around his circumstances and blessed him. So what did the, what did the devil do? What did our carnality do? Made everything selfish. I pray for myself, my family, my wife, my two, and no more. God is all locked up within ourselves because the enemy says, Keep them self-focused so that they will not receive a blessing, neither they will give a blessing. We're not going to fall for that old trick of the enemy. Okay, I must give you scripture because you want scripture for everything. Turn with me to Luke chapter 6 verse 37. Jesus said these words, judge not and you will not be. If you don't curse, you won't be cursed. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. But when you forgive, you receive the blessing of forgiveness. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down together, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your bosom, in your spirit. That's what bosom is. Don't think you have a big stomach, you have more blessing. Put in your bosom, right there in your spirit. God blesses you. And let me say this to you. If you've been listening to television preachers, you would immediately think, oh no, this preacher is also talking about my money. 
This has nothing to do with money. Jesus doesn't even mention the word money in that scripture. He's talking about a spiritual blessing. The way you bless others, God will take that blessing which you bless someone, put it together, shake it down, multiply it, and give it back to you. So you decide what blessing you want and start giving. If you give kindness, you're going to get back kindness, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. If you want to give, get mercy, give mercy. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Check your Bible. Read your Bible. It's the principle all over. The Bible says, whatever you sow, you will receive. God is not mocked, neither is God deceived. Because whatever you sow in someone else's life, in prayer, in speaking a blessing, you will reap that blessing. So I've given you a lot of scriptures. So you decide what blessing you want. You want to be happy, make someone happy. You want to be miserable, make someone miserable. Both ways it works. All it takes is one miserable Christian or a grumpy Christian to make another one grumpy. And two grumpy people can make a whole congregation grumpy. See, our faith in obedience enables us to receive the blessing but not earn the blessing. Important statement. Our faith in obedience doesn't earn the blessing. It enables us to receive a blessing. Okay. Now, I have this 500 rupee note. Whoever wants this 500 rupee note, all you got to do is just come up and take it. Did he earn that money? Did he deserve that money? And that's exactly what the promises of God is. The promises of God only reveal the heart of God. Me offering 500 rupees is a generous act. Give you 500. All the condition was come up and take it. And the blessings of God, the promises of God given to Abraham is open to all. All it takes for us to receive faith and obedience and the blessing of Abraham is upon your life. Three things that we must embrace as a lifestyle. God's promises, my faith and obedience, God's blessings. You want to say this after me? Three things I must embrace for my life. Loudly, three things I must embrace for my life. God's promise, my faith, and obedience, and God's blessing. That's how Abraham lived, and that's how we're going to live. I want to share something in Jeremiah chapter 13. Now, God speaks to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 13 and tells him to do things. It's amazing how these prophets obeyed God. It's implicit obedience. Told Jeremiah, take a sash and tie it around your waist. Tie a sash around your waist. And then after some time, God speaks to Jeremiah and says, take that sash which you bound around your waist and go to a particular place and bury it behind that stone. Jeremiah has no clue why God is telling him to do this. He's just implicit obedience. He does it. He comes back. And after some time, God speaks to Jeremiah. Go back to that place and pick that sash. Can you imagine if it's a believer, what you would say? Sash, go, pick, make up your mind, God. But anyway, he goes back only to find this all mildewed. It's gone rotten. It's, it's kept behind the stone. And then when he comes back, God speaks to him and he says in Jeremiah 13 verse 10, this evil people who refuse to hear my words 
who followed the dictates of their heart, their own will, their own desires, and walk after other gods to serve them and worship them, shall be just like the sash, which is profitable for nothing. Sash is corrupt, it's eaten, it's mildewed, it's profitable for nothing. And look at the prophetic word. For as, such, for as the sash clings to the waist of a man, gives this example, so I have caused the whole house of Israel and the house of Judah to cling to me. So what is God saying? Just as the sash clings to me, I've called you as my people to cling to me. God calls us into a relationship where there's a bonding. There's a commitment. A marriage is a two-sided commitment. And God compares marriage to our relationship with Him. He wants us to be bound in a positive way to Him, like the sash bound to me. He says, so will my people be bound to me. And look what it goes on to say. That they may become, so we are clinging on like the sash to God, so that we may become my people for renown, for fame. God says, I want your relationship to be like this so I can make you famous. Say, I like that. You like it? I will make you renowned for praise and for glory, but they would not hear. And you see the condition? God has good things in store for us. He wants us to be a people that's renowned. He wants us to be a people that will declare His praises. We will demonstrate His glory and His, His presence. All it takes is our obedience. A life without faith and obedience is like a sash that's mildewed. A sash that's not worth anything. And so often as Christians, as believers, we can be a sash that's just wasting away. It's become decayed. It's become mildewed. It's become no wealth. But God is redemptive. He said, God, I don't want to be a sash that's decayed. I want to be a sash that's binding onto you. That whatever disobedience that there is in my life, I want to consecrate my life, take it away. And you trust God that you will walk our life of faith. You trust God and say, God, give me the grace. I can't obey with your grace, I can. Give me the grace to walk in obedience before you so that I can inherit the blessing that you have in store for me. Thank you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai-ministries.com.